Hey, thanks so much for joining us at C3 Church SV for our podcast. We are so excited to share this message with you and hope you're blessed by it today. I want to just, while you stay standing, we have, we have the privilege of having really just such an incredible man of God, incredible minister, uh, our pastor and our hero, Pastor Phil Pringle this morning, who is going to be bringing the word. But I just wanted to share something. I'll grab that pulpit. You can, you can just bring it on up. Uh, we... We, uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago, actually, 2010. I just wanted to share this. 2010, we uh, had, we were just, Kira and I were just youth pastors at that stage. Not just youth pastors. I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to downplay the powerful work of youth ministry, but, but we were in a, in a kind of season where we've been youth pastors for some time. And, uh, you know, when you are, when you're 20 and you're a youth pastor, things are awesome. But when you're 30 and a youth pastor, you kind of feel, uh, What's what's next, God? And uh, and and we were just serving God, and and it was one one night in a meeting, Pastor Phil just just stopped what he was doing, pointed to us, called us up on stage, and gave us a prophetic word that at the time I really didn't understand what that meant and how that would happen. And and really, one of the things that he he prophesied was that there is going to be a whirlwind around your ministry. I didn't know what it meant at the time but but isn't it fascinating how how God has a way of of changing even taking what you think and flipping it upside down and saying this is what I meant we didn't even know this 2010 we didn't even know we we're planning a church we didn't know we we're moving to the other side of the world we didn't know anything but I'm so thankful that the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit goes with those who are confident those who have faith those that step out and the very reason that we were able to step out and move countries and and start something by faith is because that's in the DNA of our movement. That's in the DNA. Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, they left their country to start a church. So it's in the DNA. So stick around here long enough. You have no idea where you'll end up. I'm telling you, you, it can be Uzbekistan. You You don't know. You don't know. But it is an absolute privilege to have Pastor Phil here this morning. And he's going he's gonna to bring a word that I know is going to be powerful for us and in season for us as a church. And I wanted to read this just to ready your hearts and to position yourselves as we prepare our hearts for the word of God this morning. It's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And this is more of a reminder than maybe revelation, but it's a reminder that it says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive. And not just is it alive, it's it's powerful. If you allow it to to shift you, if you allow it to change you, what that means is the Word of God can either shift you or it can leave you in the same place. It depends on your posture. Will you be open to the power of God? Will you be open to the Word of God? It is alive and it is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Not so many cheers on that one. But that's what the Word of God has power to do. It has power to reveal some stuff in our life that the Holy Spirit wants to put His finger on and say, come on, I want you to to tackle that because I want you to go from strength to strength. I, I want you to be different as a result. I don't want you just to sit in here today and then leave the same way. I want you to be changed. I want you to be transformed. I want you to go out stronger than what you came in. If we allow it, that's the effect the power of God can have in our life. 
So I want us to ready our hearts as we get ready to receive the Word of God this morning. And it is our privilege and our blessing to have the senior pastor, the president of our movement, Pastor Phil Pringle, here in the house to bring the world. So can we, can we, can we just give him some praise? Can we bless him as he comes to bring the Word? Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you, would you? Thank you. Wow. You guys are like on Red Bull here, I think, you know. Yeah, you may be seated. God bless you. That's uh, so nice to be here and, and uh, wonderful to be here with uh, Adam and Kira Smolcom, two of my most favorite people in all the world. And... Uh, He's such a great preacher, right? Wow. I, uh, we recently had our presence conference and uh, we asked Adam to be one of the speakers who was taking up the offering. It's a very big conference and uh, there's a lot of uh, pressure there, but he was up for it. So uh, took it away and it was a great offering. Amen. We didn't go broke. It's so good to see you guys here, and, uh, and this is the first of three services we're doing today. How is that? I know churches that have been going for 10 years and can't even get a service half the size going, right? That's because your pastors, they, uh, they, paid, they paid their own way here. Like, they didn't come asking me for any money like a lot of people do. I said, where do you think I get it from? Why don't you go get it from the same place I get it from? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Adam and Kira, they, they, I don't know if they've ever told you, they parted with around $40,000 to move out, come out here, set up shop, set up church, and to, to dig a, I, I mean, it wasn't like there was a church here. There's nothing. So that's, that's got to be God, to create something out of nothing. And, and you, got a, you got two unbelievable pastors here leading this congregation. And what a team. I feel like I know you. Do I know you? No, you look very much like one of our students, I think, that has been in our college. We have a C3 college that has graduated around about 10,000 people into ministry. And... We're about 5,000 online right now. I think you, you do you do the course here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're looking, for, we're aiming for a million students online. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's happening all around India, China. A lot of people need saving. And so we're trying to train them in all kinds of ways of building churches, how to worship, how to make sure that we're really surging forward in the, in the power of God. But I'm so thrilled to be here. We're going to have such a lot of fun today, worshiping God together, seeking Him. And, and you know, uh, I am going to do three different messages. Okay, so I've just been in Atlanta, and I did three different messages over three nights. But, like, they want to meet there for the weekend. I said, heck no. Three nights is enough, man. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to Silicon Valley. I've never been there. You know, we really need your energy down in Sydney. 
That's so, that's so apathetic down there, those Sydney people. Come down to Sydney for Presence Conference next year. We need Silicon Valley Red Bull people. I'm just going to play you a little ad for Presence next year so that you can start saving your pennies. Uh, I'm not sure if we say T.D. Jakes. Uh, we've asked him. I'm ringing him up tomorrow to ask him again because he's been down for us once or twice. Sammy Rodriguez, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's like a firecracker. But anyway, here, let's, uh, can we play that ad for Presence? Thanks very much. To be in him is not an option, a lifestyle choice, a passing fad. To be in him is not an illusion, a game of hide and seek, an exclusive club. This is life and death. Like a diver needs air, like a branch needs a vine. Like a heart needs a beat. Mother Nature? Hell no. He is our life support system. Before the beginning and after the end. A journey and destination. The mystery and revelation. As two become one. For he pierced our gravity. Running at us. Son of God. Rescuer. Jesus. So uh, that'll be exciting to see you there. But, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that USA-San Diego thing. What is that? Jürgen used to be our, our youth leader in Sydney for eight years, Jürgen and Leanne. And then they wanted to go to the Gold Coast in uh, Australia. And, oh, my Lord, everybody started a church on the Gold Coast. I said, do not go to the Gold Coast. I've never been to San Diego, but I know the Lord is saying you go to San Diego. I've never been there. They'd never been there. So they just went there. That's called obedience, man. Uh, you know, like, so they, they went and the rest is history. Now they're running America. They're the, uh, just doing such a good job. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You did a brilliant job. Love you. You're amazing. Yeah, apparently this guy is from City Harvest Church. We're all friends, right? Yeah, we've been around forever. And, uh, that's good. I want to talk to you about a basic life theme I have. It's called Faith. It's the first book I ever wrote. And uh, so that you can get to know a little bit of my, my culture, my personal world, and also like what I, the kind of the, the theme, if you like, that runs through C3s all around the world. I think we live in a Thomas generation and we really need people to come out of cynicism and come out of doubt and come out of negativity and try and find some life. There's way too much suicide, way too much depression and, and negative feelings in the world today that people really gravitate towards easily. And so uh, this, this message on faith, this is what connects you with Jesus. God lives in an atmosphere of faith. He lives in the positive mold. 
He doesn't live in negativity. In him is no darkness at all. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. God is light. God is warmth. He's like the sun. Nobody goes to Iceland for a holiday. Everybody turns up at Hawaii or somewhere warm, somewhere sunny. And that's, that's why when you go to a cold church, nobody's going to be there. Because people don't like being in cold, unsunny environments. They want to go somewhere where it glows, somewhere where it's bright. And you are called the light of the world. And so we're, we're meant to be like that. And, and that's what faith is. So 2 Corinthians 4.13, the first in this, uh, this keynote uh, presentation I got here. It says, we have the same spirit of faith. Everybody say that. We have the same spirit of faith. This is 2 Corinthians 4.13. So the spirit means like it's an attitude. It's like something you got on the inside of you that is a feeling. Not just a mental understanding or information that I believe. Faith is like a feeling of confidence. It's a feeling of positivity. It's a feeling of courage. When I started pastoring, I found myself kind of shy. Like, I'm an artist and I'm you know, somewhat reclusive. I, I don't mind being on my own, painting paintings. And, and, and then to get in a room of people, like 40 years ago, I started pastoring 44 years ago. I found my palms would get sweaty. I would feel like I just wanted to get out. I didn't really want to talk. I thought, well, this isn't going to be any good. If, if I meant to be a pastor, I really need to kind of be able to talk to people and, and hang out with people. And so as I, would, as I would deal with this, and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to do this, I just started to think, well, i got to get confident. So I started saying I'm confident. In fact, this is what I said. I'm so confident it's ridiculous. <laughs> and so now... I'm so confident it's ridiculous. And I just kept saying that for six months. And, and sometimes we're waiting for God to change us. But actually, we can go to work on ourselves and make some adjustments right here today. And say, so, you know, I can, I can go to work on myself. And so if you, and we live, in a, we live in a world which is really trying to shift responsibility for a lot of our world onto others and especially God. But it's actually not a new phenomenon. It started way back in the Garden of Eden where Adam said, hey, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. So it's got nothing to do with me, right? I, I, I got nothing to do with this. You gave her and it's you, you and her. It's your fault. And so a lot of the time when we abdicate from our responsibility in life, we actually lose the authority in our life as well. As soon as you say, I'm not responsible, you also say, I'm not in control. Somebody else did it to me. I'm not in control, so I don't know what's going to happen. And today, if you could make one decision, say, I am responsible. I can do things. I can change my world. And one of the greatest things you could do is find the faith switch on the inside of you and turn it on. Today, say, today I'm going to start believing. Because there are a lot of negative believers. The unbelieving believers. It's like... You've got to be able to find that switch. Now, here's the thing. Problems will come uninvited into your world. And when a problem comes in, it switches that faith switch off. You don't have to do anything. Anxiety will come, make your head spin, make your knees wobble, put that wash all the way through your inside. You're emotional and you go, oh, what's going to happen? Because you just read the bill, the electricity bill. You thought it was an offer on the house, but it was the electricity bill. I mean, uh, or, or then you, you hear a medical report and you just spin. 
The problem with a problem is not actually the problem. The problem with a problem is what the problem does to you. And what your response is to that problem is that you need to find your switch and say, I'm going to switch it on because you don't have to do anything to switch it off. You don't sit around and say, now I'm going to get anxious. I'm really going to get fearful. It just invades you. Okay, and so you're hijacked by a negative emotion. And what you have to do is become intentional about activating the spirit of faith on the inside of you. So getting faith moving is like an act. It's a decision you got to make. Now, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've met a lot of people who've got that nasal twang problem. I don't know if you know what I mean, but it's... Hey, look, I just need to apologize. I just realized that there was a piece in that, that ad that doesn't sit well with Americans, right? It's a little edgy, right? But I think you were okay with it, right? You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sh- I should have said, hell no. Uh, we... Yeah, I know you guys, you guys don't say that. We say it all the time in Australia. We say even worse things than that in church. But, you know, I know I'm in America. I've got to behave myself. Uh, and so, you know, so like, yeah, yeah. But you say things that we don't like either, you know? Yeah, so I won't tell you about that. So we're kind of even. And, uh, but here's, here's the deal. Like, that nasal twang, it begins in Now, I have three children. One of them is here, my son Daniel. He's a genius music producer, songwriter. A lot of albums have been produced by him or songs written by him. And uh, he lives in Los Angeles, so he flew up to be with me. So welcome, my boy. And uh, it was, it's great. He's got two little, two little girls, beautiful, beautiful little glorious kids. And so I found that our kids were all wonderful, beautiful kids. Then they got born. And uh, <laughs> then you got to deal with real human beings. The idea of having children in a lot of people's minds is, is, is very different. Like dreams are always different to reality. And uh, so then you got the action, but it's, 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 it's a wonderful experience. But then there's a certain age at which they get that twang, that nasal twang. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to eat the broccoli. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, and you're walking through the supermarket, right? And you got this thing pulling on your dress, fluid coming out of every hole in his head. Like, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. Hey, just for the record, I don't have a dress. But uh, here's, here's, here's the thing. Like, like you're, you're from Palo Alto. You are smart, like the smartest people in America, correct? You have changed the world from this place. You know what to do about this problem. You have another one. You have two of them. And now you got the second one, right? You got the second thing. And you've got them both in the backseat of your car. Don't look out my window. That's my window. Yeah, I'm going to pull your hair, push them, punch them. And what are you going to do? You're smart people. Palo Alto, Stanford University, you know, my God. You know what to do. Have another one. So now you got three of these things. You got three of these things in the backseat of your car, and you decide you're going to do drive-through. McDonald's. You come out of there, there's this little kid in the backseat, all wrapped up in their little baby seat. And by the time you've come through, it's got milkshake on its head, french fries in its ears. And they're going, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you. You know, that, that's, that's what's going on. Isaiah 64 verse 5 
says, God will meet with him who rejoices. Here is God. He's in the front seat of the car. Seven billion people in the back seat. I don't like you. I'm going to bomb you. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to take over your nation. The whole whining mess going up to God. It is no wonder, he says, I will meet with him who rejoices. I will meet with a guy who's going to be happy. I'm going to meet with him who's got joy on the inside of him and has decided I'm going to flick my switch on instead of walking around complaining and whining. I know Anthony Robbins, he says, awaken the champion or the giant within. Phil Pringle says, slap the weasel within. If that... If that thing inside of you is groaning and moaning and whining, stop it today. Just cut it out. Just say, I'm going I'm to flick the switch on and say, it's a beautiful day. I got a beautiful life. It is amazing how many single people want to get married and how many married people want to get single. It is amazing how many people want to have a baby and how many people who have a baby don't want to have it. I mean, we can never get happy, it seems, but get happy with what's going on in your world. Just say, this is it. This is my beautiful world. And when you create an atmosphere of faith, in that atmosphere, the power of God can travel to you. When Jesus went to his hometown, it says he could do no mighty miracle there. Not that he would not. Not that he would not. But that he could not. Not that he did not want to. He wanted to and he would do. But he could not. Because we limit God with our attitude. So we provide an atmosphere of faith or an atmosphere of doubt around our world. And you will find that once you've created an atmosphere of faith where you start to say, God's going to move. God's going to move. you got to mix it with patience because you go, you go out of this meeting today and you say, well, okay, I'm going to try it out. God's going to move. And nothing happens by the time you get out of the car park. You think, oh, that didn't work. Please, you know. God is not a microwave God. You don't go, ding, 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 God. He's more like an oven burning, slow burn. It could take a year. It could take a year until the situation turns around. It could take two years. It took Abraham 25 years. Took Noah 120 years. Can you hang on and keep creating that atmosphere around you? Everybody else is going to love being around you in the process. Down the back of our house, we have a swimming pool. If I go down there and I, I jump in and I'm goofing off and you go in and plug in a hairdryer, turn it on and throw it in the pool, I will feel something. Because water is a conductor of electricity. But if I create a big block of rubber, put hand on one side, cut the wires on the, on the other side to the hairdryer and stick it in, I will feel nothing because it's an insulator to that power. Same thing with the power of God. I'm either going to create a swimming pool atmosphere or just have that block of rubber there that prevents anything from happening. And it's your choice today. You just switch on that switch. Find the switch when when it's been turned off. And for some of you, discouragement has turned it off. For some of you, it really hurts even to hear this message. Because it's like you got your hopes up and then you got disappointed and you're a little raw down there, a little tender. It says the children of Israel could not believe, could not receive the word from Moses again because they had failed once. They, got, they seemed to get let down. But the reason that you will find yourself traveling through those things is so that you become a cooperating partner with God in the miracle. I mean, you're saying, God, give me a pot. 
and he puts clay in your hand. You're saying, God, I want a tree. And he gives you a seed. He wants you to actually be a participant to work with him in, in, in making that miracle happen. When the disciples are in a boat and the boat is like filling up with water and going to the bottom of the ocean, they, they're looking for Jesus. They say, God, we need help. And they're running around. They find him. He's gone to sleep. He's asleep in the bottom of the boat. I mean, how could that be? We're in trouble and God's asleep. The reason he goes to sleep is so that you would wake up. The, the thing that, that is happening is he's saying, why don't you do this? Because when they did finally awake him, he said, stop storm. Win. Cut it out. And here's, here's a weird thing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is talking to wind, talking to waves, talking to, not about, talking to inanimate objects. And if it's, if it's okay for him, then you and I need to figure out, we've got to start speaking to our world. Right at the start of the world, when God was creating everything, when he was creating everything, he said, let there be light. Who's he talking to? Nobody. There's nobody around right now. So that tells me the first purpose of language is not communication, but creation. That the first purpose of my mouth is not just talking to other people. It's actually talking to my world. So all you've got to do is start speaking and prophesying to your world, to your inanimate world. If Jesus could do it, talk to trees, talk to mountains, talk to these things. He said, we reign in life by Christ Jesus. I'm going to talk about that in the next session when I talk about this, this book, The Born Identity. And uh, that's the latest book I put out. And, and I, want, I want believers to understand who they are in Christ. So the next, the next thing about the spirit of faith is that there are three directions for it to travel. And number one is faith in God. So that's, that's kind of simple. Most of us would have that. We'd have faith in God. Although, understand this, believing in God is different to having faith in God. Believing in God is kind of easy. Even the devil believes in God. It, it doesn't do him any good. Having faith in God means you're actually going to activate what you're, what you're meant to be doing. So having faith in God is, is the first thing. The second thing is having faith in you. This is, a little more, this is a little more challenging for a lot of believers because in our sincerity, we kind of say, oh, no, it's like not faith in me, it's faith in God. And we, we feel like we'd be violating something of an integrity or of a conscience about how we're meant to be as Christians. But heck, actually, the weakest link in the chain of faith is self-image every time. Even in Jesus, that was the thing the devil attacked more than anything. If you are who they say you are or who you think you are, then prove it. If you are. And so constantly Jesus is reaffirming to himself and to the people that he's talking to who he was. He says, I am the true vine. I am the door. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. Because it's that area where you will find your greatest attack will come. When you are wondering, my Lord, does God really love me? Am I really forgiven? Why do I still feel guilty if I am actually forgiven? Is, why is, if God is with me, why are my circumstances looking like this? Why did that happen? And so we start to blame God for stuff that He hasn't had anything to do. Life happens. 
is another word for that. But we're in church, you know. <laughs> the, the thing is, you and I will have, have normal life happenings. Being in Jesus doesn't inoculate you against pain. In fact, it'll probably increase the level. Pain. If you, did, if you wanted a painless life, you picked the wrong religion. There's plenty of others, you know, offering an easier road. But here's this thing. When you say, I'm going to pick up the cross. I'm going to follow Christ. Then you need to find a way to actually apply all of what he was talking about into your pain, into your difficult circumstance. You are never going to discover that you're an overcomer if you haven't got anything to overcome. Without a trial, you're never going to know what you've got. Amen. I'm looking for the clock. Where's the clock gone? It's up on the roof. There it is there. Oh, you're just bringing it down for me. Thank you very much. Okay. Faith in you. So here's the thing. Say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you can do all things, but it's through Christ. Without him, you can do nothing. But with him, nothing's impossible. Okay. Here's the, here's the next one. Faith in others. I've found that when you want to develop people to their maximum, you got to put faith in other people. Love believes in other people. Give people an image to live up to, not one to live down to. Don't remind people of their failures. Remind people of their God. Remind people of Jesus. Remind people of the power that they've got inside of them. When you see women, I mean, always tell a woman her hair looks incredible. That she's lost weight. And do not say that dress looks like a tablecloth we got at home. Build people up. Don't pull them down. Tell a man he's, he's looking buffed. He must be working out at the gym. Tell a mother her children look intelligent and well-fed. I mean, it's, it's just be smart. Lift people up. And then, and then some people say, but what if they're not? Well, become a sanctified liar. Amen. <laughs> Speak truth into their world. Boost, build people up about what they could be. God does it all the time. He calls you what you're not. And he gives you credit for what you didn't do. I mean, he, he says about Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. I go, God, have you read the Bible? Abraham staggered all the time. You told him not to go down to Egypt. He goes down to Egypt. He said, leave his family. He took half his family with him. He did all kinds of things. And then down in Egypt, he picks up a girl called Hagar. And he tries to help God out with a miracle and produces a mess. A horrible mess that we're still living with today. But as far as God's concerned, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You got to love God. He doesn't attribute your sins to you. He attributes righteousness to you. His righteousness. He imputes it to you. He justifies the ungodly. It's hard to believe. We're considered holy, spotless, flawless in his sight. I go, God, do you even know me? I mean, he says, no, as far as I'm concerned, in Christ. You can't do any better than that. In the Old Testament, we're meant to keep a book of impossible rules. You can't do it. Every time you fall over, you've got to kill something because there are consequences to sin. So animals have to die. Coming to the New Testament, one answer, receive Christ. That's it. That's all you got to do. Receive Jesus. He's your Savior. He's the sacrifice, and He's the imputer of all your righteousness. He's the one who brings you out. Okay, so 
I'm going to take you quickly through these three steps of faith. They're normally seven. But because we're in church on a Sunday morning, we've got three services. I've made it three, okay? So I'm not going to illustrate every one of them. But three steps of faith. Number one, faith prays. you got to pray. If you haven't started praying, today, make a decision. You know what? I'm going to start praying. Even if it's five minutes in the morning. And try and do it with your wife. Or your husband. Or if you're not married, start praying on your own and you'll get one. Or maybe you shouldn't. You know, yeah, yeah. Here's the, here's the thing. Just, just like grab a moment. And don't, you don't have to be like, now we're going to have our devotions. And you pull a pulpit out. Wife, sit. I'm starting at the book of Genesis today. No, don't, be, don't be funny like that. You know, just sit there and. Get a Phil Pringle book. Get the, you know, yeah. Just go through like the book If or But God. That book is unbelievable. I mean, the, I, I meet a lot of people, they got the wrong butt in their world. You know, they need a buttectomy. And because uh, you say, how you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm good, but you look, you're looking really healthy. Yeah, but, you know, my kids, are, yeah, but, but there's always a but. You need God's butt in your world. Amen. You need this butt. Because this butt is like, you meant it for death, but God raised him from the dead. Amen. So that's the God factor. And if you just read through that, like for a year, it will change your mindset. You start to get a new mindset and, and you will be what you think. You are what you think. And you don't, look, if you want to be a negative person, like if I want to grow weeds in your garden, do you know what I do? Nothing. Weeds will just grow. If I want to grow great plants, though, I got to get active. Dig up the soil, plant the plant, prune, insect spray, all that. Same with your head. You want, you want weeds in your brain? Do nothing. They'll all grow up there. If you got a weedy brain this morning, let's do some cleansing. Do some weeding. Amen. Pull out stuff you've heard, stuff you've seen. Now let's plant some great thoughts in there. And let them, let them just, just come up. Let great plants come up. Feed them. And, and the mind is the battlefield for your soul. And you will war in there. Sometimes when you go to pray, I mean, when I go to pray, sometimes one of the things I do is I forgive people. I have a few haters. I have a few people out there. You know, and I start to, I, Lord, I forgive them, you know. And then I think about them. And I really aren't forgiving them. You know, I'm, I'm getting worse in my attitude. By the end of the prayer time, I hate them more than I run at the start, you know. I go, God, i got to forgive. You know, and, and you work on your heart. It's not easy to, to get your mind right and to get your mind on the right things. But you have to be intentional about that. Some of you think you can't control your thoughts, but you can. Like a wild horse that just gallops off around there doing whatever it wants. Rein it in. Say, now you're going to think about this. And now you're going to think. Because what you think of is what you're going to be. What you feed in there is what you're going to become. Faith, praise. Okay, <clears throat> prayer is desire, deciding, and asking. So for a lot of Christians, they're so wanting to please God that when he says, what do you want? They go like, well, I want to want what you want me to want. If you want me to want it, then I'll want it with all my want. Because all I want is to want what you want me to want. 
No, 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 no. Okay, well, what are you going to do? What's your, what's your decision? Oh, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I will do what you will me to do. If you will that I do it with all my will and all my want, then I will want to do your will with all my will, if you want, and if that's your will. Come on, people. You know, like, like when do you steer your car? When it's moving. When are you going to get guidance? When you take a step. When you start moving. Make some decisions. Don't be sitting there all your life until you die waiting for God to speak to you. He'll speak when you start moving. Just take a step. Do something today. Go buy that house. Just go, just go ahead and buy it. I've told my congregation that all the time because they always say, oh, it's too, so expensive in Sydney. I say, stop saying that. You can do it. I've done it plenty of times. In Sydney, just buy a house. And, and one of my assistant pastors went home, said to his wife, we're going to go buy a house. She said, I love it when you talk dirty. You know, like, <laughs> we're going out, we're going to buy ourselves a house. They went out and got a house. They didn't have any money. Mark and Bernadette Kelsey. And I, you know, and you can do anything. Just make your mind, I'm going to do this. Ask her to marry you. How long have you been going out? Four years? That's too long. Get busy, man. Come on. What are you doing? Marry her. Amen. Oh, golly. I'll close all my options. Exactly. How good would that be? No, my indecision. Okay, faith receives. Second thing. You've asked, you've prayed, you've decided. Faith receives. You've got to get it before you get it or you'll never get it. If you don't have it before you get it, you're trying to get it. And if you're trying to get it, it means you haven't got it. If I'm trying to get saved, it means I'm not saved. If I'm trying to get success, it means I haven't got success. But you say, when I look at my circumstances, I'm not that successful. But you are. You're already. Start from the end. See the end. I'm successful. Today, I am. No matter what it is, you've got to have it inside you. When my daughter, Rebecca, was having her second child, we went to the medical center with her. And as she laid down, they put the jelly over her belly and they do the, the Instagram. Sonogram. Go over like that. And up on the screen comes this little baby. Like in, on, the, on, the, on the graph, on the, on the screen. So if I came to you right now and I run the sonogram over your spirit, what comes up on the screen? What do you got inside you today? Is there anything in there? Is it a blank or have you given birth to something? I have churches in here. I have all kinds of thousands of people coming to Christ in major stadiums around the world. And I got a lot of other things that are none of your business. But you know, I got stuff in here that is alive. And that's the substance of things hoped for. That's what you walk by. That's called faith. It's a reality. It's not a nothing, a hope. I've actually got, I know it's going to happen. The next one, faith sees and faith speaks. You got to see it. What do you see? If I looked on the back of your forehead, what images are in there? What do you fill your mind with? What images do you feed it on? When we were trying to get our church authorized to be built in Sydney, we faced eight years of opposition. 40,000 signatures signed against us by petitions by the local residents. 
We were on the front page of the local newspaper. I was on the six o'clock news with a guy called Darren Hinch, who had a kind of current affairs show. Shame, shame. These people are doing to the country here. And, and it, was, it was tough times. But I would go down to that piece of land, and the weeds like, were as high as this building, and I'd be going through all the dead horses and tractors and chicken coops and that, and I'd stand where I thought the stage was going to be, and I'd start preaching to that crowd. I could see them all there, all around me. That was one example. I did, I've done that many, many times. But when I stood there, and I, just recently standing in my church, I remembered that day. I got all choked up because I thought, I am standing exactly where I used to see this in my spirit. And I was so excited about what the future was going to be because I could see it inside before I could see it outside. Now, the devil knows the power of this. So he will try and create images in you that are born of fear, like cancer, like divorce like sickness, like the business collapsing, like an empty bank account, like foreclosure on your house. Reject all of them. Put faith, switch faith on. Oh, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know my circumstances. You have to switch it on and start to believe that into that atmosphere, the power of God can come and move against that divorce, move against that sickness, move against those things, because that's when you need real faith. And until it happens, don't be living in misery. Live above the circumstances. The last thing I want to speak about is faith acts. In Luke 5, and the musicians can come. Uh, oh, you're there. Look at that. <laughs> Powerful woman. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus says to the disciples, it's just to Peter actually. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Peter wasn't that happy about the instruction. He'd been working hard. He said, I've worked hard all night and caught nothing. That's not a good situation to be in when you've worked hard. It's been all through the dark. And you've come up with zero. Jesus says, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Peter's going, ugh. What would he know? I know he's upset because he takes a net. And Jesus said, nets. He puts a net in the boat and he's kind of patronizing Jesus. All right. Said I'd follow you. Off I go. All the guys on the shore are laughing at him. Ha <laughs> Peter. He says, all I wanted to do was go home, have bacon and eggs. But you've got to admit, it's pretty liberated for a Jewish person there. <laughs> He's thrown out. I don't even follow Jesus. What was I thinking? Yeah, I'm going to follow you. I'm follow you. I'll leave everything. You know. What's he know? He's a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. You know, I'll put the net down in the shallow I'll put the net down in the shallow place. And then what would he know about fishing? I said the deep. How do you know that wasn't a deep? You want deep? I'll give you deep. Yeah, you want deep? Here we go. He's out in the middle of the lake. Is this deep enough? <laughs> Throws the net out. See, there are no fish here. Feels something. He looks down. There's this big school of tuna have swum into the net. He looks down, wow, where did they come from? And then this porpoise comes up, boom, dives in the net. Then this big orca whale puts his nose in the net. And then these flock of geese fly in in the net. 
He's crayfish and everything's getting inside the net. He's, he's like, it's, the net's pulling him around the boats like this. He's on the bow of the boat, sky guys, like skiing. Finally, he crunches up on the shore. Now, that's a tad exaggerated. But, but the thing is, he said, forgive me, Jesus. I never thought this could happen. I didn't know that when I stepped out, something would happen. Jesus said, hey, Peter, this isn't about catching fish. This is about catching people. From now on, you're going to find this church will grow. From now on, Peter, you're going to be a fisher of men, not just a fisherman. And I have no doubt that this church right here will be a thousand people in no time at all before the end of this year. I have no doubt at all that every single one of you, as you step out and just follow that instruction of the Lord, are going to find yourself winning people to Christ. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about C3 Church SV, to plan your first visit, or if you'd like prayer for anything, please visit us on our website at c3sv.com.